three movie podcast for American Made. My name is Tom. Oh. Yeah, I'm here with Christian Murkowski. Who the f is Murkowski? And with an American Made tagline or two, Kelly Wand. Live, fly, repeat, die. Uh. Too soon. Give us a better one, Kelly Wand, because there's no real repeat in this. <laughs> Well, he flies repeatedly. It's a pretty. Yeah. It's a one-off. Ver- it's like a, it, this is a one-off. There's no repeating. There's no multiple lives here. It would have been a fun crossover, like he had right. that same Dam- groundhog ability. Right. Yeah, uh, I would have. I would have loved it if Emily Blunt had shown up at the end. Yeah, he's bluntless. Um, <laughs> finally, a movie where Tom Cruise is cocky and flies planes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you could stop there and we'd get our money's worth, Kelly Wong. Yeah. I just got one more. And it's Take not it. as good. Yeah. Gleason's best since mother. <laughs> wow. You should have stopped. Your number mm. two is always the best. My name's Tom. <laughs> that one's a good that's good fighter for conversation though uh, we'll, we'll we'll circle back on that one kelly wand after dingus gives us a few spoiler free details about american made oh, all right so much this content. week this week we saw american made dingus how do you spell that how do is I it like a, a young lady in a skirt and a, like a french outfit yeah, with a duster yeah it's it's m-a-i-d wrong. it stars jennifer lopez <laughs> wait is that the name of that jennifer lopez movie no, it's like Made in America. I forget what. Yeah, made in Manhattan. Made in Manhattan. Yeah, she she gets it on with Rafe Fines, I believe. Get it? She gets it on with Rafe Fines. She's Doesn't his she? Maid? Isn't she? Yeah. No, he's no. right. Dingus. Yeah. Okay. And I'm never. Yeah, you know he's right. I can't even make fun of him for knowing it. Yeah, that's something. I thought it was Matthew McConaughey. Is that? I guess I'm thinking of that's failure to launch. Failure to launch. Yeah, come on, Dingus. It's also right. Interstellar, Christopher Nolan's finest movie. <laughs> All right, let's get back. American made, Dingus. Uh, tell us some more. This this week we saw American Made, a 2017 American action black comedy crime true story movie about how sanctuary isn't cheap. It was directed by Doug Lyman hmm. and written by Gary Spinelli. It stars Tom Cruise. Donald Gleason, Sarah Wright, Jesse Plemons, and Caleb Landry Jones. American Made is rated R. Mm. <laughs> For once, you're, mm, I think it's totally appropriate. Really? For, Come on. <laughs> there are F bombs throughout this. There are Tom Cruise butts. There nudity and language, I'm guessing. Go ahead. What is know, it? Those are both dumb you, reasons for R. You R's. even see like a part of a penis, I think, at one point. What? Yeah, just the, the when he, tip. When it's too... Okay. Um, I don't remember this part. I don't remember part of a penis either. All right. Well, you never forget a penis. Um, is rated R for language throughout and some sexuality slash nudity. See? I called it. Kelly, is there anything that, that was left off of that disclaimer from the MPAA there, that warning? It's a pretty soft R. So the only thing I raised an eyebrow at, which is a lot for me, is uh, I noticed some Latino photography. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, American Made is at 65 on Metacritic on Rotten Tomatoes. 87 percent of the reviews are positive. Cinema oh, score, Cinema Score, it, it 
it kind of underperformed. It got a B plus on Cinema Score. That's not good. When the idiots don't give you an A at Cinema Score, when they feel that not their Friday, enough. yeah, when they feel their Friday evening was only worthy of a B plus, that's a little disappointing. Uh, as far as its its money, we are recording a day early, uh, so we don't know exactly uh, what its box office take was for its opening weekend. The estimates are somewhere between fifteen and twenty million, and the studios are. Are on tenter hooks actually, because it's not clear whether it, the Stephen King clown movie, um, Kingsman Golden Circle, the yes. Matthew Vaughn thing that didn't do very well, or American Made will be at number one after this weekend. Oh, uh, wow. So yeah, all three of those are kind of in contention to, to take the lead. We'll find out tomorrow, but while we're recording, we don't know. All we can guess is between fifteen oh. and twenty million dollar opening. Kelly Wand, I would like. A synopsis from you of American Made. I got a synopsis of the events from Doug Lyman and Tom Cruise. I would now like a synopsis of the events from you. I would like a Kelly Wand made. You think I can pre- present the material better than Tom Cruise and Doug Lyman? I'm going to withhold a, uh, a response to that comment Just for like the, the part of the podcast where we talk about our opinion of the movie. All right. What would this – whatever I'm doing would be called is should – in your uh, the, the Kelly Wand made. <laughs> oh, that's good. You I can... had a. Oh, you'll see. <clears throat> American shout out makes us. See, it's a doom joke. Wow, that's okay. That's, uh, wow. Tom Cruise leaves mummies and becomes a TWA <laughs> pilot. <laughs> In the 70s, from Kentucky, just like Logan Lucky and Kingsman, but who thankfully is agnostic about John Denver, as far as we know. <laughs> be funny if they took it out. Like, oh, fuck, it can't be the fifth movie. One night, while he's flying to Houston, Tom Cruise gets bored, so he sends the plane into a nosedive that makes all the oxygen masks pop out. Then he gets on the PA and goes, JK, folks! <laughs> woo To celebrate his prank, he goes to a bar and drinks by himself. Chris Elliott walks over to his booth. (laughs) Oh, I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. I'll accept that. That is, yeah, I think you're right, Tom. It's his abyss character because he's in the government. Hey, Tom, we really liked that nosedive you did. I was in the restroom at the time uh, with diarrhea. Also, in Mission Impossible, when you locked yourself out of a plane and it took off with you hanging onto the door, it was brilliant. That's just the kind of attention to detail we at the State Department are looking for. So we'd like you to take pictures of annoyed Latin Americans shooting guns at your plane in close-up. Uh It's an unpaid position. We'll give you a special plane, a runway, and a coaster here for your drink. I need that back. Uh, Congratulations. Or prison, what do you say? (laughs) Tom Cruise grins. That night, his hot blonde wife's all, y'all working for who now? He's all, "Uh, the the, uh, Central Intelligence Aviation. Pretty technical. Uh, my cover story is me starting my own company, not taking pictures of Mexicans. You'll love it. She's all Thomas Zemu Cruz. I don't know how dumb you think I am, but I believe you. 
Tom's new career as a photographer is fun. Chris Elliott's boss looks at his blown-up pictures of Nicaraguan shaking their fists and shooting holes in the lens and goes, Jesus, these pics of damaged lenses are amazing. I can almost taste the palm trees. Way to go, Elliot. You just got yourself a slightly bigger cubicle. The next day, Tom Cruise all, hey, Chris, any way I can get a raise to at least uh, anything? That was my third wife-giving birth montage just now. (laughs) Chris Elliott's all, Tom, I'm surprised. I thought you loved your country. Okay, thanks for thinking about it. The next day. Hey, I say, we really like how you take pictures of us shooting at you. (laughs) Wow. I can't do that continent very well. (laughs) It's like a jungle to me. How would you like to deliver cocaine to our guys who live in Florida swamps? (laughs) That's... Nicaraguan accent? Tom's all. Well, I kind of got a lot of burners going already. We pay you 100 pesos a year. Damn. I don't know what that translates to, but it is for a good cause. So where's your runway at? You're standing on both sides of it. Tom looks around to find he's in the middle of a dense jungle. I lean over to Jaden and go, it looks like Julianne Moore's concept to the 1950s in Kingsman, huh? <laughs> the Latino's chubby cousin, Pablo Escobar's all. Yeah, see up in those trees, the charred fuselages and skulls? Those are from the last six pilots we auditioned. He's from not Nicaragua. That's why his accent's just fat. My friend Yokiro here, he say you not up to it. He say you and the mummy in your plane crash, you die in that. The drug lords all laugh and smoke Havanas. Tom's all, I'll show you who can nosedive. The Latinos stuff boxes of cocaine into the plane and laugh. <laughs> when your plane explodes in a few minutes, we're going to lose all this $10 million with the cocaine. <laughs> they all point and laugh at the cocaine that they think is doomed. The goofy one, Noriega, is all... Hey, Tom, why are you taking out all the life jackets? Won't you need those in case you crash into a boat? Gentlemen, here's your million-dollar hole. He opens a trap door in the bottom part of the plane where the flagpole goes. They're all, oh, yeah. It's a hole. Yeah, a trap door. Oh, yeah. Never saw that. While they all kick back to watch Tom die, Tom Cruise backs the plane up so it's against the yuccas, then taxis down the runway. Then he gets caught in some tree branches, and then the plane does... Then he's off and away, and all the Nicaraguans cheer and shoot guns at each other's cigars. Tom's life gets awesome. Then one day, it's not. Hey, I say, you the cucaracha. Welcome to my heavily guarded mansion here. Take this briefcase full of money. Tom Cruise is all, yee-haw. He wraps life jackets around it and drops it through the hole in the bottom of the plane. They're all, no, it's, that was for you. you. You made us all very rich. Now our lives are going to be via candios. Ha-ha. <laughs> Suddenly, Interpol shows up in black SUVs and start shooting their way into the mansion. Tom's all, uh. Tom making a video of himself in the future looks at us and goes, that's when I said, uh. (laughs) 
Latinos all laugh and go, ah, yeah, yeah, this happens all the time. No worry, no worry, we got this. They go downstairs and get arrested. Tom grabs his briefcase of money and hides behind some drapes, but the cops arrest him and the drapes and put him in a Nicaraguan jail cell. I guess the food there is pretty bad because Tom loses a tooth, although only the characters in the movie can see that it's missing. And Helms looks over at me and goes, Cruz, what a pussy. He shows me his hangover gap. <laughs> Chris Elliott shows up to bail Tom out of jail. Tom's all, thanks, man. Crazy, huh? I had no idea there were so many uses for planes and teeth. Chris Elliott's all, yeah, okay, we have good news and bad news. Good news is you have to move your family to Arkansas today at four in the morning. Just make up whatever cover story you want. You're really good at those. Uh, bad news is we want you <laughs> – Bad news is we want to pay you real money to run guns to the Contras and also train them to fly planes while they live in your airport. Also, we're giving you an airport, although it's also a daycare center for the Nicaraguans. Tom Cruise is all, Arkansas? Beside me, Tom Chick stands up and goes, nice! (laughs) That's a true story. That's how you react to that word. Tom Cruise moves his wife and kids to an empty house in Arkansas. His wife's all, what the fuck? Look at this place. I'm going to need a washer, you know. Tom opens a duffel bag and throws money in the corner. Yeah, and a futon. Tom throws money. And toilet over here. Tom throws another sheaf of bills. She's all, damn it, Tom. How am I supposed to take a shit on money? Tom shows her how. Tom making the videotape looks at us and goes, now you may want to get out of the theater right now and demand a refund because this is where it gets crazy. (laughs) He waits for us to get up and leave. But me and the few Germans in the auditorium who thought that this was American Assassin are too lazy. (laughs) Tom Cruise's life is awesome again for a few minutes of screen time. He rakes in so much cash that he uses duffel bags of it as fertilizer for his backyard. He uses his <laughs> installation. He buys shoes just so he can use boxes to put the money in. Just throws out the shoes. I look over at Jaden and go, that's how I am with earwax. Tom Cruise looks at us and goes, and then Doug Lyman told me my sidekick in this movie would be a character named JB. Uh, yeah, JB. There's a freeze frame of Shia, shirtless, playing with his American Honey character. <laughs> but he's good at it. What's up, JB? How many shoe boxes would it take to get you to leave right now? This is why I saw. No way, baby. JB's going to work for his shine box, just like we used to before the CIA. JB's all. The CI what? Tom Cruise all. All right, uh, JB, I need you to uh, not get arrested. Here's 50K. <laughs> JB's all. Ugh. I don't know if it's going to be math. Tom Cruise hires some of his white friends to fly planes alongside him over some water. Sometimes the Drug Enforcement Air Force hassles them, which puts Tom Cruise's hippie friend to sleep. Uh, getting chased by the cops, so boring. But they tricked them by the Air Force not understanding how gas tanks work. (laughs) Meanwhile, JB gets in trouble for going to a restaurant where a cop likes to eat. Tom Cruise springs him, gives JB money to go to Ecuador in. 
But unfortunately, JB's radiator overheats. (laughs) (laughs) That part seemed uh, a little extraneous. So Tom Cruise tries to cool it down by steering the car into some shade. (laughs) Tom Cruise's wife's reaction to JB's death is probably interesting, but off screen. At the airstrip... (laughs) I was really looking forward to that. I like to think, though, that she didn't care, and that's the joke. Like, she goes, oh, yeah, JB's missing? What? Like, she doesn't even notice. At the airstrip... Tom Cruise's friends all, dude, where you been? The Contras are getting bored. And JB said he's going to turn us all over to the feds if we don't buy him Pong because it's the 70s. Tom Cruise all, I got it. Relax. Chris Elliott's all, who's relax and walks out. Tom Cruise all, shit. Okay, guys, we need to dig holes in my backyard and bury all these planes. The FBI's all, FBI. Tom Cruise gets arrested for burying (laughs) money. Did you just do a point break? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I can do one accent. It's not the one I need. See, now we that's why Bay Lang. Never mind. But Oliver North hires him to take pictures of his Latino friends without even flying the plane. So a lady judge senses Tom Cruise's traffic school. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, it's the same traffic school the Nicaraguans go to. But he tricks them by having a bunch of video cassettes in his trunk of him telling us how he expects the car he's keeping the tapes in to get blown up. <laughs> it's a weird plan. Some words tell me what years the remaining characters died in. The end. Thank you, Kelly Wand. Kind of short. Sorry. Kelly Wand, there's nothing wrong with short. I know, right? That's what she said. Kelly Wand, let's have you start off by giving us a movie better than American Made, a movie not quite as good as American Made, and what's her overall opinion of it? Uh, I think Doug Lyman, except for the Bourne, what's his fucking name? The Bourne Identity, Hmm. because that one was kind of chained to a different plot. He's really good at making uh, movies about people in over their heads. Um, like usually guys. And so my over and unders were biopics about guys in over their heads. And my over is Falcon and the Snowman, which I remember really liking wow. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and I, and Sean Penn's better in that movie than I think Tom Cruise is in this. I think he's miscast, but I really like the movie. Um, and my under is Gattaca. No, JK. It's uh, either blow or black mass, which both were Johnny Depp, and neither of them is as good as this. But I do one like them, the movie. One of them has Jesse Plemons in it, though. Oh, Black Mass does? Yeah. I'm assuming? Yeah. Right. Huh. It's always weird when they show the picture of the guy that the Tom Cruise or Johnny Depp's been playing. He looks nothing like the guy. Like, he's just like some old creeper. But anyway, um, so Tom Cruise, uh, I think he's fun in this. Like the last time I saw him was The Mummy. And so I think this was a more interesting movie than that and a more fun role. Uh, I think he's too charming to play the character who's he's supposed to be. But I really like the approach of this movie is making it a, a, a comedy. I thought that was uh, interesting. So okay. I like that. I think it's funny. I laughed a lot. It's cute. Uh, my over and under are movies about 
Whoa, whoa, arms dealers, they sure are wacky. Yeah, Uh, I wasn't super crazy about this. I was a little disappointed and especially disappointed after reading a bit more about Barry Seal and the source material. But regardless, Uh regardless of that, I mean, I wasn't that crazy about it. I think it's kind of forgettable, which is a a bit disappointing. Uh, So my over is way, way over uh, because this is a woo arms dealer, sure, wacky movie where Charlto Copley is the arms dealer, and that's Free Fire, which we saw earlier this year. Uh, I love Free Fire. Uh, They're not very similar, but they both present lovable arms dealers. My Under, a movie I don't like as much as this, and I hate this movie, and this is also about lovable arms dealers, uh, Miles Teller and Jonah Hill in War Dogs, which is also a, a biopic kind of thing. Uh, it's based on a Rolling Stone article. It's directed by the Hangover director Todd Phillips, who Ugh. tries to make it funny, and it's it's just grating. They're both unlikable, uh, so I don't I don't like War Dogs at all. Uh, so this would be in between those um, as a period piece, as a biopic, uh, just a little bit underwhelming. I liked Tom Cruise in it a lot. It just reminds me how much energy he's got and how the guy really can carry a movie. Uh, I just don't think he's quite enough for this one. Uh, and yeah, we'll get into the politics of it in a little bit, but that's my overall takeaway. Dingus, what's a movie that's not quite as good as this, a movie that's better than this, and what did you think? So uh, my uh, theming was uh, dopey government operations in movies that are, I find really tiresome because I found this movie really tiresome, and I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I couldn't stand this movie. <laughs> Um, so uh, I would put uh, over this. I would put American Hustle, which uh, you guys liked. I did uh, not because uh, it felt like uh, Goodfellas Redux. And um, and as I was watching this movie again, I sat there thinking, why can't why do I hate this movie so much? And I loved Goodfellas so much because it's doing some of the same things that Goodfellas does, um, as as did American Hustle. But I liked American Hustle a lot more than I liked this even though i didn't like american hustle uh and under this i would put air america which is another one of those haha we're going we're at the cia we're going to make we're going to press you into service doing something you otherwise wouldn't do but you can't get another job so you're going to have to do it um but i think air america is really ham-handed i think this is not ham-handed i think it's got some flair to it um i agree with kelly i don't think tom cruise is properly cast and I, and there's not a character in this that I care about. I mean, that's the basic sure. problem with this movie is there's not a single person I could I, – I just could care about. There's nobody in this movie I could care about, and I guess they cast Tom Cruise so that I'm sort of forced – some anchor, yeah. I'm sort of forced to care about Barry because it's Tom Cruise doing his you know, high-wattage smile. Um, and I just think that it feels like Doug Lyman trying to do that. Let me reach for an Oscar movie. And it really kind of pissed me off a little bit because Doug Lyman did another movie this year that I really, uh, really kind of liked. Um, I, I don't, I, I just don't, I don't get why this movie has to be made. I don't really care about any of this, this stuff. Uh, I don't get why we're doing a ran contra right now. Um, but we can talk about the politics of that. Um, but yeah, I really didn't care for this. One of the things that I, I liked about the casting of Tom Cruise, and I know you guys really responded to this in Live, Die, Repeat. Uh, I liked this portraying Barry Seal as just kind of a 
dumb guy who yeah. didn't really know any better as a dupe. Uh, and that's clearly not who Barry Seal was, by the way. Uh, this mm. Barry Seal was just a flat out. He 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 got fired from TWA for trying to smuggle explosives. Uh, and he, oh, there, there was no uh, he was never approached. The stuff about him being approached by the CIA. There's no evidence of any of that. He was just so a was regular guards. Uh, that might have been part of it, but he was fired from TWA. Like in this movie, implies that he quit TWA. You know, yeah. he walks off the plane while yeah. the plane's waiting to take off, and he, you know, he says adios. But the real Barry Seal was busted for trying to smuggle plastic explosives into Mexico, and he was fired. And he just went from there to smuggling uh, marijuana and then, then coke. Uh, he's just a, a, a garden variety smuggler running stuff back and forth. Who, when he was arrested eventually was recruited by the DEA to be an informant, and that's where the factual stuff in the movie actually picks up. Did Everything so. before that about Donald Gleason, who I, I love Donald Gleason, this, by, by the way. Uh, yeah, he was right. so much fun. Like What he was doing, him in an American accent, uh, his, his Chris Elliott hair and beard, as, as Kelly Wan put it. Um, <laughs> all of that stuff, complete fabrication. And I'm a little bit pissed yes. off, too, about the way that it portrays the Mina stuff. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but I did like Tom Cruise. And this is kind of what I think they were going for in Live, Die, Repeat that you guys talked about where he was kind of a coward. And I liked him just being a dumb dupe who didn't know what he was getting into. Uh, and I loved the scene where he's explaining to Sarah Wright what he's doing. She clearly knows more than he does. She's the brains right. there. Uh, so I kind of liked seeing him just <clears throat> a, a dumb guy swept up in a in a plot, a dupe of the CIA. That, that was kind of fun seeing him. Like – yeah, yeah, yeah right. The mummy, where he was only the the mummy's so into him that yeah, only he yeah. can be uh, beloved of Sofia Butella. Yeah, uh, in this, this is more self deprecating. It was kind yeah. of fun to see that. Uh, well, I mean, even I mean, one of the things that I liked about uh, that I do like about uh, American Hustle is that it it has the nerve at the beginning to say some of this actually happened. What's which, the tagline? What's the epigraph for this? Is there? Is it just based on a true story? Based on a true story. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Wait, uh, Tom, real quick. Did he – is it true or not? Because this is a big part of the movie, of his character in the movie. Did they stiff him originally? Because in this it makes it seem like I had no choice. I had to get – like what am I supposed to do? My, my wife's having babies. Like we're supposed to go, oh, yeah, fuck the government. They're, they need to pay him more, so you should get – No, that, all that Kelly Wan is a fabrication. He was never recruited. I don't, I don't even know if that was something that he claimed. There, there's no – evidence that the CIA ever recruited him, and I don't know if that was part of his story, but he was a garden-variety smuggler just working for himself. Uh, so he, he wasn't got part of Iran-Contra? No, he got wrapped up in that when he was being an informant for the DIA, DEA, oh, okay. uh, which was after he was busted, after the stuff uh, where I think the you know, the, so there's that weird scene which would have been really funny in another movie where that was the tone throughout, where the ATF shows up and then the uh, mm -hmm. uh, and then the DEA shows up and then the FBI shows right. up and then the right. state police show yeah. up. That that could have been funny. Like that that belonged if in that, a, yeah did that happened. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Not. So he he just got arrested and then the DEA recruited him. There was none of this stuff where Bill Clinton made a call. And had him referred to the White House. Like all of that, he was just a smuggler who got arrested, who started working for the DEA, and Oliver North pressed him into service, I believe, for some Iran Contra stuff. Uh, oh, okay. And he was, uh, you know, he was apparently outed a little bit too early as working for the DEA, and the the Medellin cartel uh, assassinated him. Like that's Which, the factuality. You know, the movie implies that he knows it's coming. 
Right. And that, that's actually true. He was giving community services to Salvation Army, and that was how the people sent from Colombia to kill him found him. Uh, and those guys were arrested, by the way, and, and uh, imprisoned, the assassins. Uh, but that, that part is true. But all the stuff about Donald Gleason – and the movie presents this as fact, which I find a little irksome yeah, because yeah. it shows us Donald Gleason's reality as a CIA employee. Right. Like if, if this had been portrayed as this is his crazy imagining or this is his justification yeah. after the fact. But no, this movie would have us believe that the CIA recruited people and ran this operation out of Mena, Arkansas. And it has – you know, Stephen underpaid them. Yeah, yeah and, and, and that's not, by the way, how the CIA works. The CIA doesn't have interns doing highly sensitive yeah, intelligence operations. Right. Yeah, they're already unreliable and like – they're obviously looking for angles anyway, so we can't trust them. Yeah, and, and what, what irks me about the movie, Stephen Colbert has this, this concept of truthiness that he, he presents things that, that have the – they feel like they could be true, so they're regarded as true. This movie has a lot of truthiness because people might recall reading about Mina. Mina, Arkansas, had an airport that was implicated in stuff like Iran-Contra, but the, none of this was ever – ever bore out under investigation. Uh, the CIA was cleared. They, they apparently they, – they copped to having done some joint operations in MENA, but there's no evidence that, that Contras were trained in MENA, that the CIA operated drug operations out of MENA. All this stuff, and this is what pisses me off, is part of this, uh, this, this weird subculture about demonizing the Clintons. Uh, and, and MENA, Arkansas uh, is, is – it's it's of a piece uh, with this nonsense about the Clintons killing Vince Foster or uh, using the Clinton Foundation as a pay-to-play front or running child slavery rings under Comet Pizza. It's all nonsense, and it's politically motivated as a way to undermine the Clintons. Idiots love that stuff. Right-wing idiots love that stuff, and this movie presents it as as fact, uh, and I'm a little uncomfortable with that these days. Um, yeah, that's a good point. But I thought it, they were kind of ripping on the Reagan era, and I saw it as a as a Reagan. Era. Oh well, well that by the way, I that I'm okay with because Iran Contra is a real thing. It was investigated, and people were were there were there were indictments handed. It was an there. actual scandal that actually happened. Yeah, yeah, and and it it uh, you know that's not. Of a, you know, that's not something that has to do anything that, that has nothing to do with this anti-Clinton demonization subculture. Iran Contra was Ronald Reagan, and say what you will, because I can, I, I can sort of understand, and I will sometimes be an apologist for what Reagan did during the Cold War, and that includes the reprehensible foreign policy things that we did in Latin America. I can understand those, uh, and from a real politic perspective. I kind of support those in a way in that if you compare what the Soviet Union was doing in Eastern Europe to what we were doing in Latin America, we were all doing terrible things. But I feel right. strongly that the terrible things we did in the United States were for noble reasons. Well, uh, no, up to them. They were for self-interest. And there were, there were definitely cover-ups. And, and, and so I believe that, that although I, I overall approve of Reagan fighting the Cold War the way he did – what the situation was in Iran-Contra, and this is why I think it's relevant today, and I would have been excited knowing about this movie if I'd known it was about Iran-Contra. Uh, I didn't going in. Uh, Iran-Contra is an example of the executive branch saying, fuck you to Congress. Congress right. told Reagan, you cannot send money to the Contras. We will not stand for that. That is not something that you're allowed to do. We are going to make it illegal. 
and the uh, it's called the Borland Act or something. I forget what it's called, but there was a law passed, and Reagan circumvented it with the shenanigans with Israel and Iran and arms. Uh, I don't know if I, I think I don't recall if drug dealing was abs- was part of it, but I think the CIA has definitely used drug dealers and drug dealing to get intelligence and to do so. All of that Iran-Contra stuff was an early example of the Republicans basically putting the structure of government in the backseat. And I feel it's been a long, steady uh, progression since Iran-Contra uh, of the Republicans being willing to say, we don't care about the structure of government. We just care about our agenda. And Iran-Contra was the, sort of the, the first sign of that uh, in in. In, in, in what was arguably an illegal action. So I think the wrong contra thing is kind of relevant, and I was excited to see that done. But to see it wrapped up in a validation of the demonization of the Clintons uh, rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, that was weird. I found that very weird just to, he- to hear Governor Clinton slipped in there. Yeah. Because it seems to me that rule of law only applies in certain situations, uh, and it certainly doesn't didn't apply to any of what was going on in Iran-Contra. And I think you're right about uh, the way you're you're saying that they're not necessarily um, synchronous, I guess, might be a, a word to to use as as far as what the Soviets were doing in Eastern Europe and we were doing Latin in America. Um, but it still was unsavory. Uh, but I don't understand why Bill Clinton was slipped in there. It's weird. The same reason that Mina was because it has truthiness. This idea that uh, yeah, that the Clintons were operating drug. Uh, trafficking out of Amina, Arkansas airport. I mean, that's that's part of the uh, the lore. It's been passed around uh, to which there's no validity. But this movie would have us believe that, yeah, that's what the deal was with this Barry Seal guy. When, as I mentioned before, he was just a garden variety smuggler at this point. He wasn't working is, for anyone but himself. Is JB a fabrication? That I don't know about Kelly Wand because when I watch movies like this, I love yeah. trying to read between the lines in terms of what we're being shown and what really happened. And yeah, if JB was real, clearly, clearly, if you're reading, yeah, he knew and he had like there's no way that oh the car was bombed where he was going to happen to drop off JB. Yeah, reading between and the lines of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He clearly had JB killed and he hid the body. That's that seems to be what happened. Now I don't know if that was a real character or not. Uh, that's a good question, Kelly One. I didn't look that up. Uh, it's everybody... part of the movie's thesis that see, there's no security system. Like the CIA is recruiting a guy who has a stupid brother in law. Right. And, like even the Nick But know, regardless of whether it's true or not, from a filmmaking perspective, you see that coming a mile off. Sure. I mean, when he I shows up, I mean, I was just so rolling my eyes when, and I love Caleb Landry Jones. I love that kid. Um, but seeing him show up, you know immediately, okay, he's going to be the undoing. Yeah, he's the best. Uh, he's going to get killed. All well, right. the movie lampshade. He gets into that, his yeah. gremlin. He's, when he starts it, it's going to explode. I mean, I was just sitting there with my girlfriend, and we're both like, okay, we know what's going to happen now. And I think she liked the movie a lot more than I did. I mean, she loved that whole uh, um, bureaucracy, the, the DEA and the FBI and everybody converging. I mean, she thought that was hilarious, I think. Um, to be but, fair, Dingus, uh, don't you kind of feel that the stuff about Caleb Landry Jones was was in, was lampshaded or intentionally telegraphed? Or like, I like that? So. I, I think yeah, the movie knew does. that we knew. And yeah, then the whole voiceover was like, oh, JB, JB. Right. And there's the freeze frame of Caleb Landry Jones looking like a total redneck scumbag. And I even liked... Uh, 
and maybe I'm just giving Doug Lyman too much credit here, but I thought the car bomb itself was kind of subversive too, and that he starts the car and drives away, and clearly you're thinking, yeah, yeah this is where the car's going to blow up, and he starts the car and drives away, and you're like, oh, yeah. guess not, and then while the car's in motion, like that was a kind of a cool take on car bombs that I'd never yeah, seen no, before. Yeah, it's still going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Huge orange cloud. It was just like poof. Right, right, a poof, and the car yeah. still keeps rolling. I thought that was kind of cute. Right. Um, was, but then he, he reacts to it. It's all one shot. I like that. Yeah. But the thing is, I'm with you. This is clearly predictable stuff. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think it's supposed because he he says that he's, yeah, JB, and then you can see in his face he's feeling remorse and like uh, kind of wanted to pretend this part didn't happen. Right. So we know it's gonna. <laughs> It can only end one way. Kelly's kind of right in his opposite about the whole. We we don't get to see the wife's reaction at all. I mean, yeah. if you're going to do this That's whole the thing, which is, arc, which is something I've seen before. This you know the the crappy brother uh, who drags down the family and then gets offed. Uh, I mean it, that that it just feels like such a cliche that at least delivers. Give Sarah. Give Sarah right a a scene <laughs> give her something to do there a scene where he has to talk his way out of it like give tom cruise a scene where he has to act like it with her like okay uh gotta tell you something it's crazy i mean what's his does he lie to her there, there's just how, nothing there there's nothing because she's not really a character in the movie but. it does make me wonder i mean it's a there are weird approaches to because this is over yeah. two hours isn't it yeah, 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 it's like two yeah. uh, two hours and fifteen. And it didn't need to be that long. There are weird things that I wondered. Why are we showing? Like, there's a bit where with that million dollar door, where they explain that he discovers, and I don't know why this is supposed to be a reveal. Who doesn't know that you throw the stuff out of an airplane or right. overboard a boat? Why right. do we then show, like, uh, you know, ten, fifteen seconds of him scrubbing the doorway clean? Like, why do we need of to see that he's that meticulous? Oh. Yeah, like he's. I mean, because he immediately lands at an like, airport and a DEA agent is there to, to right. inspect his plane. Right. So but why do we? He's bleached it to make sure that she can't find any cocaine. I didn't really need to see that we he bleached no, it. No, I don't I, know. I guess I disagree because actually okay. that's one of the things I really liked about it is this the thing that was keeping me engaged in the movie because like Dingus says, there's no one you really care about, including him, because he's so stupid. Like he doesn't ask questions. Like you, it's you can't really root for him, but it's still Tom Cruise. Um, but like just the logistics of it, and the fact that it was about a pilot, and that's all he's good at. And so everything about his job was fascinating. To okay, me. yeah, because I, I did love that takeoff mm. scene. Uh, I love the takeoff well, scene. I loved all of the flying in this. I mean, that's one yeah, of no. the that's one of the things that I really uh, I, I don't know I felt was a little bit of a, a sanctuary for me in this movie is the, the flight stuff. I mean, this is maybe this is a vest, this is vestiges of of having watched Dunkirk and loving that so much uh, that part of it so much is. I think that the flight stuff is beautiful, and maybe it's just that I have, uh, I don't know, some sort of fetish about watching planes fly in movies like this and watching those planes fly low, watching the stuff that they were doing. Because some of the flight in this, even though you could see some of the CG they were doing, uh, I still loved – I loved the flying. I, I just love watching flying in movies. I guess I, I'm just a sucker for that. Also – uh, Tom, about the the scrubbing, mm-hmm. I think that uh, another reason I, I like it is because um, 
like Dingus said, that, like that the murder cellar, like the editing in this is really weird. It has really weird rhythms and you're not sure when something's going to happen. Mm, and yeah. so those mundane scenes, I think, add something because you're kind of on, on edge because you're not sure. It's like the car bomb. It doesn't happen quite when you think it's going to. And the whole movie's kind of like that. They're like, what? Is it funny? Oh, he's not going to get caught here. And I it think it's going. also – it's also shot that way, Kelly Wan, and that every yeah. now and then, like it's super handheld, and every now and then it looks like it's, it, it looks like a documentary. Right. Sometimes then it looks like an actual film, like Dingus talks about the gorgeous flying scenes, but other times yeah. it, it could easily be like, like somebody shooting a documentary with a handheld camera. Yeah, uh, and so it's sort it's of bopping back and forth. Yeah, yeah it, but it's going back and forth. You're right. Yeah, uh, there are times where it's super glossy, and then other times where it's kind of grainy and handheld. Yeah, yeah, it makes uh, you feel like I'm there, and it just. It goes with the 70s, and it's it's Tom Cruise doing it, so it kind of brings me – because Tom Cruise is one of those guys when you watch on screen. I think it was Sarah Vow who said he's our best American actor at keeping his distance because even when he's (laughs) talking to other people in shots – it's him, and he's alone. Like he's not connecting really in a way. Like he's too busy doing his thing. Uh, what is your what is your line about Tom Cruise? You you always like it when he's frustrated or something. Yeah, and he's frustrated a lot in this. But also, <laughs> the thing that that was interesting to me is like he's a really charming person, obviously, but no one in the movie seems to notice. Like no one treats him very well. <laughs> it's the miscasting makes it even funnier in a way because it's Tom Cruise with no superpowers. It's like an alternate universe where he didn't become a movie star and no one gives a shit who he is. It's, we're just like fucking with him and his wife's like, you idiot. And Donald Gleason thinks he's so dumb and like, I can just make this guy do whatever I want. He's my fucking dog. And it's, uh, I like that. It's weird. So do, do you have a favorite he's, Tom Cruise? Do you guys have a favorite Tom Cruise moment in this movie? Because I do have one favorite Tom Cruise moment. Oh, that's a good question, Dingus. I'm going to have to think about that. You have to go first. What is it? All right, I'll go first. It's, it's, it's in the raid at, uh, it's an, I don't, it's not Noriega's apartment. It's in Colombia. Ochoa, I think. It's in Colombia. Uh, it's it's when the raid is happening, and they're all like, "Don't worry, don't worry." <laughs> yeah. And, and um, <laughs> Tom Cruise is like, "Wait, are we running?" Right. Yeah. He's in the room. And he just gets left alone in the room, and no one tells him what to do. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's asking them, "Are we running?" He, he, he's, I just love how he he's able to convey this, and this is where um, the reason I used the term black comedy when I was giving my little uh, like, what are we watching this week thing, is because uh, because of that kind of moment where he's like, oh, are we running? <laughs> Yeah. I just loved that little moment where are are we running? And then he has the bag and he runs down the hall and he drops the bag of money. Um, that's that was my favorite it, moment. That are we running? It's like he's the Kurilenko in Oblivion being asked. If he's okay. <laughs> he's going, no. <laughs> I guess then along those lines, Dingus, I might I I really liked him coming back to the the Contras in Nicaragua with a baseball bat and kicking pornography and liquor in boxes towards them. Like I, yeah. I liked how he was like, like okay, now I'm going to take charge of this. I'm going to have the baseball bat. I'm going to have yeah. goods to bribe them. Like he thought he had it all figured out. He uh, always does, and he never Yeah, like does. he was kind of proud of his solution. He was sure yeah. it was going to work, but he was still scared. Like I kind of liked yeah. what he was doing in that yeah. scene. As a Tom he's Cruise afraid did. for most of the movie. But yeah. he's pretending he's not afraid, which is kind of cool. There's a, a bravado. He's fumbling with the Spanish language, right, uh, right? Right. But he gets better at it as the movie goes on. But at that point, he's still like amigos, amigos, right? Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, what's your favorite Tom Cruise movie? Dingus and I have already uh, called dibs on those two. 
Uh, I like the tooth stuff when he's trying to tell his... I like every scene with his wife. I think those scenes were gold. That's why I was really bummed when the JB thing didn't happen because I was really enjoying how Tom Cruise has to like get his wife on board and make her move in the middle of the night. And I liked all those scenes. <laughs> but I also liked when he... I thought, hold that... Yeah. Because along those lines, Kelly, one, I thought one of the my, my favorite moments in this, I loved the bit where he's really sheepishly trying to like throwing the the bills of bundles around to convince his wife, you know, that's where the washer. Like, yeah. I liked that scene as as far as like him trying to win her over and tell her it's going to be OK. And like that, that was a scene where I kind of did care about him. And I wish the movie had pushed that angle of him being a family man. And loving his children, because yeah. uh, mm-hmm. there the movie kind of lost sight of that, and he was just a charming rogue for the rest of the time. But there he seemed like someone who really was worried about what his wife thought, and who was really concerned about providing for his children and his family. Right. Uh, so that was a that was a great moment. It was a great little bit of writing, I thought. And too. him trying to keep her, make her keep the bracelet on, like he's thinking of that far ahead, like he's he's learned right, a right. little sure, sure. Yeah. about the life, but, and he he thinks about stuff like that. Yeah. What I, what I like about what Tom just said is that, uh, unfortunately, when he says – there's an early line, and it's repeated later on, do you trust me? And she just says, no. Yeah. Uh, well, do you love me? <laughs> well, yeah, I freaking love you. But I just love that, do you trust me? No. But yeah, yeah. I don't feel like that the promise of that is realized. Um, and I think that Tom kind of gets at the kernel of that as far as his kids are concerned. Anyway. It, it does make me wish like that a, a movie like this could be told from Sarah Wright's perspective, for instance. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think that would have been a, a – you know, I mean this is obviously a Tom Cruise vehicle, so you can't do that. But why can't we have a movie about this wife who doesn't know what her husband is up to and gets swept up in this crazy thing and ultimately complicit and how she has to survive beyond it? Uh, yeah. That would have been cool to see. So Kelly, on your favorite Tom Cruise moment, uh, super Tom Cruise uh, I would have to say, and Dingus will know what I'm talking about when I refer to Jack Aubrey. Is like a Jack Aubrey moment where he's doing, he's like taking the shit out of the plane and he's trying to explain to <laughs> oh, yeah. the guys like, okay, the runway, because it's not about, yeah. they go, put more in. He's like, no, it's not about, it's about weight. It's not about whether I can mm-hmm. see out the window or not. Because that so, gets at this idea, too, that you were talking about where he's just a pilot. He knows piloting. Right. He's dumb he's, about other things, but he right. knows this stuff. Yeah, Right, yeah. which is how Jack Aubrey is in the Master and Commander books. Like, he's a total dunderhead about everything except boats. Like, he's a genius. He's like a master. He's like Gandalf at naval combat <laughs> and, like, running ships and, like, making them move faster and knowing exactly what to do. And he's, like, a genius. And, and very procedural, too, about it. Right. right. Instead of a blind spot, he's got a C spot. Yeah, and he can look at a runway and go, "All right, it's not going to work. We need to." But, but like, he's pretty good, and he yeah. still almost doesn't make it. And then when he gets through and he almost dies, he feel he just go, he just shakes his head and goes, "Woo!" Like, yeah, I got through it again. Like, it, it seems like kind of a southern thing. Like, well, that, well that I survived my last date. Where one of his props is shot off, you know, and yeah. he, he he actually levels the plane and then flies up the river, and he and he does that thing that you just said. He goes, "Woo." I mean, yeah, the only very, time he's not scared very... is when he's flying. When he's in the when he's in his plane, he's never scared. He's never scared by the cops. He he's like the master of his domain. But the second he's on the ground, <laughs> everything's like out right. of his league. So I don't know. It's a fun uh, movie. I thought I was bored, but so I thought it was all. As... <laughs> so I just go in going, oh biopic, okay. 
Yeah, I wondered too that the idea that he was given the Mina Airport and all this property. I was right. like, "What, really?" Based that's, on what? And that's, that's the joke. Happened? Like, he's a doofus who got all this suddenly. And like, I like that as a, as a fictional idea. I meant to look. I I can't. It's absurd. No, no peep contras were not trained in the U.S. Were they? That's that's ridiculous, I isn't have it? No idea. It seems ridiculous. Yeah. There's no I reason like, that that would be. I did love the idea of them like disappearing. Yeah. Well, yeah, like I I love too when uh, when and again, this is where I wish that the movie had followed more closely other perspectives when that uh, that black guy, I think he was from the FBI, when he shows up in Mina and he sees all the banks and there's like a homeless Latino soldier checking for dimes in the the, the payphone. Like I I was like, this guy's perspective. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, That this is the small town in Arkansas. This is what's become of it. you know, I wanted to see more of his perspective, um, and and yeah. so I, I loved this idea too that the Contras are just listless thugs who <laughs> basically are treating yeah. it as summer camp. Like that was right. hilarious uh, to me. Yeah. I love I love movies too where the, where there uh, your problem is you have too much money. I always enjoy like those kind of montages because I always picture how like how much would it have to be to where you're like. Oh, Okay, backyard, and then your backyard's too full. And how do you launder money? I like, I do like. Yeah. That. You, yeah. Did you catch the? Um, did you guys either of you stay for the the end of the credits? No. Oh. What did we miss? You missed a disclaimer uh, at the very end where they're going. Uh, you know that whole. None of these characters are real. That whole in within that embedded in that was uh, the line. Yes, we know that's not El Salvador. Oh, they actually – when he mistakenly points to Nicaragua and says El Salvador, what do you mean? Yep. Yes, we know that's not El Salvador. So he says – you know, he says, oh, that's not Nicaragua. That's El Salvador, and then he rewrites it. Right. That's not El Salvador. That's Honduras. I mean okay. on the map. <laughs> he, he mistake – he double does a double mistake, and right. then Doug Lyman or whoever does, does something at the end of the movie where he says, yeah, we already know this. I did not catch that. That's hilarious. I, I think most people would not be able to tell uh, Honduras from El Salvador, though. That's yeah, I, I like that, that. That's a smart joke. Uh, that makes me like the movie a little better. Hmm. They also said this whole like American Humane Society monitored some of the actions, and in those scenes, no animals were. Yeah. Hurt. The scenes without <laughs> animals, those scenes. So apparently there were other scenes where animals were hurt. Well, you guys know, funny, but it's weird. Well, do you know the history? Like, you know the thing that happened at the end of the shoot, don't you? Or do you guys know? No, I don't uh, know. This was yeah, uh, a, a pilot died. The the plane that actually, I think oh. it's the plane that Barry Seal actually used, uh, crashed and uh, killed one of the stunt pilots. Um, oh, what he's scene? Now that now I feel horrible. Well, I don't yeah. think it was a scene. I think they were just uh, schlepping the, the the planes around in bad weather. For shooting, I don't think it was when they were actually shooting. Oh. Um, but yeah, there there was a, a casualty, and it wasn't in the U.S. It was in, I think, South America, somewhere where they were shooting. Um, so, is it the same plane? So, when he goes into jail in Colombia and loses his tooth, and there, and Kelly's right, that is kind of a cool moment because in the next couple of scenes, he does this little thing with his tongue where he like touches up to that little place where if you lost a tooth, you would kind of keep. Like sticking your tongue up there to feel it. It's a cool off-screen event. Um, Yeah, Um, I would have thought that his plane had been confiscated, and then the next plane was a new plane. But it's the same plane. 
right? Well, presumably the you know CIA pulls strings. Okay, gets because it, yeah. he still has that same cross later on, and I was wondering how that. Oh, yeah, oh I that see what you're saying. Thing. Right, right. No, I, I'm, I'm assuming this is. I'm, I'm guessing that the movie's internal fiction is the CIA can take care of all of that. You know, they okay. they they have ends with the government or whatever. Uh, for the same reason that he, you know, he gets him out of jail. Uh, but yeah, that, that hadn't, uh, yeah, hadn't occurred to me whether. Is he religious in the movie? Is he faithful to his wife? It seems to be. Well, I did, the movie doesn't want us to think. think about this it. is a weird thing too. Yeah, it's that's in, true. The, it's in uh, it's it's one of my issues with Breaking Bad, and I know that a lot of people love Breaking Bad. Uh, I respect what Vince Gilligan was trying to do, telling a story about a mild-mannered school teacher who becomes a Scarface type uh, drug lord. Um, but but I, movies, for some reason, are super shy about the actual amorality of drug trafficking, uh, and they want us to think that drug traffickers and oh, and arms dealers too are are just like swashbuckling rogues, and they're still lovable. Uh, or they see themselves that way. Or they see themselves that way. But but Breaking Bad did this weird thing where it's constantly about it's about someone who's making uh, methamphetamine. He's cooking meth for people, and every now and then it would try to sort of show you, oh, meth addicts really have it rough. But I don't think that it was really in touch with what terrible damage this man was doing to people's lives. And mm-hmm. instead, it had to show us that the ill effects of cooking meth are, oh, your family won't trust you, or you know, you'll be ashamed of your son knowing what you do. You know, you're you're creating, you're you're uh, contributing to some horrific societal ills. So yeah, so they'll spin out murders and stuff from it. Uh, Breaking Bad did a weird thing where uh, Vince Gilligan has to make a plane crash happen, like a, a, right. a, a collision over New Mexico kills hundreds of people because Walter White cooked meth. Like like it, it just, just yeah. people getting addicted to drugs is a terrible, terrible thing, and the people who contribute to that are reprehensible. Are they doing something morally reprehensible? Uh, and I think movies like this who want us to root for their main character uh, shy away from that. Uh, I don't know why you guys how, – how did I get off on that tear? Uh, I don't know. But in but, fact, uh, Breaking Bad, I think, make me think about, uh, It doesn't make me think about that Dopey Kingsman movie we saw because that had right. kind of a, a passing or, or I don't know, I guess a facile idea of legalizing drugs. Yeah, well, we don't know what. That's the weird thing about that movie is we don't know what Matthew Vaughn was trying yeah, to say. Yeah, what's the takeaway? Yeah, yeah. I don't understand the message because Halle Berry's the voice she when she pats Channing Tatum <laughs> on the head at the end. Now get in your little suit and stop smoking pot. When you put this suit on and go see Kingsman, don't smoke weed for it. That's his advice to the couple that moved away from – that left at the Mincer scene. At ah, right, right. I always think about that. Like that's their bridge too far. This <laughs> super cartoonish looking – And it's funny that Barry in this movie never samples anything. Right. I know, right, exactly. Nobody right. – like that's – yeah, exactly, Ding. It's like the, the whole thing of drug use is, isn't even touched yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, you, you than, briefly see – there's one moment where you see one of the pilots reaching back to cut into one of the packets. Right. But, uh, yeah. Like does He's Caleb Landry done. Jones – is Caleb Landry Jones' character? He must be. He seems to be totally freaked out. That yeah. shit. Yeah. But, but in, in general, like with uh, you know with Goodfellas, for instance, Ray Liotta's totally coked yeah. up, and he's got a right. he's got a coke 
girlfriend and he's got drugs in his house and they have to flush him down the toilet. There's all this stuff going on. I mean, when you're talking, when you talk about Sarah being from, how cool it would be to be from Sarah Wright's perspective. There's a little of that with Karen in Goodfellas, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. But it's weird that Tom Cruise, there's no, I'm going to sample the drugs and it's just alcohol. And, and there's no sampling of, you know, whatever women are going to be available to him in South America. There's just none of that. Right. It's it's because we want to, you know, we want the guy to be a good guy we can root for. Yeah. Uh, what did you get? Do you get, did you guys ever see 21 and over the movie that the hangover guys did the writers? No, but she was in that, right? She's so good. The thing I know her from is parks and rec. Yeah. She's Jim O'Hare's wife there. Uh, no, she's his daughter. Are you sure? Because I thought she was the super hot chick hired to play his wife. Because that's the joke, is that Jerry Gergich's wife is super hot. It's the daughter. Right. She dates Rob Lowe, I think. Isn't she? Yeah. Oh, oh someone, another hot chick plays the wife. Okay, right. I'm, I'm confusing my hot chicks. But she's so good in 21 and Over with Miles Teller, and it's, it's before Miles Teller got annoying. He's also really good in that. Uh, but uh, he's not the male lead. This guy named, I think, Skylar Aston. He's in Pitch Perfect. Uh, he's the lead in 21 Over. And Sarah Wright... Like she comes on screen and she's supposed to be the super hot chick who the main character is really into, but she really holds her own in 21 and over. When she comes out there and it's partly the writing, it's partly how good she is. Um, I like her a lot, uh, which is another reason I'd wish there'd been more of her in this. Uh, I also like, I, you know, I was a little disappointed that when Jesse Plemons showed up, we didn't get – like I thought maybe he was going to become suspicious of Barry Seal and they would get pitted against each other and that maybe he was going to be uh, looking into what was going on. But uh, instead, yeah. he just kicks back and is like, eh, it's good for the community. I thought it was a completely wasted Jesse Plemons part. Uh, also, I love Lola Kirk who plays Jesse Plemons' wife. I think her name is Judy or something, and she's oh. in a couple of scenes. Uh, but Lola Kirk – is in there's a terrible 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 Noah Baumbach movie called Mistress America, which I I, I think the writing's horrible in it, but I really like Greta Gerwig in it, and I really really like Lola Kirk in it, and she's the lead in that, and she's just in oh. a little tiny bit here as Jesse Plemons' wife. There's that funny bit where she offers the kids at the baseball game oranges. And Sarah, Kirk, uh, Sarah Wright comes in with uh, pizza with and completely upstages her. Like, that was a cute soccer mom joke moment. That was very uh, funny, actually. Yeah. By the way, the, the, um, the wife, Jerry Gergich's wife isn't just some uh, hot woman. It was Christy Brinkley. Yeah, Christy Brinkley's uh, some hot woman, Dingus. Why do you take issue with that? You don't think she's, she's not hot? just some hot woman. I mean, There's a bit of stunt casting. I'd like uh, to be inside Sarah Wright's perspective. One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees when I'm caught in between counting. One, two, three, feet apart, I'm at a free, getting down with three feet, everybody loves old All right, speaking of people saying awkward things... Dingus, what's this week's three by three? Is there any other comment for me? These are your <laughs> these are your three favorite awkward moments in movies. Can I actually, before we do this, I, I emailed you guys about this. You guys, there, there's a whole book Stephen King wrote about a chick who gets left handcuffed to a bed. I haven't read it. Don't spoil it. 
It's the ones I missed. Have you really not read it? Are you yeah, kidding? I missed it. I bought it, actually. It's funny you mention it, because I bought it in L.A. a couple weeks ago. I'm oh, my God. So don't I, say anything about Gerald's game. But I know what, I know that's what it's about. That's why I remember not reading it. Oh, it sounds boring. It sounds like Cujo without the dog. But there is a dog. Mm-hmm. There's a dog. Well, it's a movie. So Mike Flanagan, who did a movie I really like called Abstentia, which Dingus loved but forgot he saw. Uh, and then he did Oculus, which we were kind of mixed on. But I really liked Mike Flanagan's last two movies, which were the uh, Ouija sequel, prequel, and a movie called Hush. So he does Gerald's Game. He has an adaptation of Gerald's Game that just uh, Netflix uh, – it's on Netflix now. Uh, and it's flat-out terrible. It's just wretched. And I was like, watching it. Yeah. Well, I won't give anything away, but watching it, I emailed you guys halfway through and was like, wait a minute, there's a whole book about this? Yeah. It's just so dumb. I can't I imagine it being any good because the book is all – it's all internal. I mean right. it's all stuff going on that, that she's thinking about. I mean I and a lot wait. of his stuff is like that, and that's why making Stephen uh, – adapting Stephen King's stuff is so difficult sometimes is it's all stuff that's going on in her head. That sounds so, like a cool challenge. Well, that Mike Flanagan is not up to it, and I don't think the script is, and I can't imagine the book. Ding, if you don't approve of the book, or I don't know, do you like the book? Ding? No, no, I couldn't stand the book. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's just, it, it was in his. I think it was in his period where he was basically just drunk and high all the time. I did want to ask you went through a period where he was just, just sitting, he, he he describes uh, sitting at his desk and just being high on painkillers and that was Cujo era. Because he said really, he I thought it was after that. I thought it was more like. I was after Cujo like when they did the and Rose Matter. Uh, maybe. Right. You might be right. I well, I can't – the thing is like I – it could be a cool premise uh, if it had better writing. I think the writing is terrible. Uh, but where he feels the need to go with it is just ridiculous. It's, it's risable. I, I just – I was glad I stuck with it because of how silly it ends up becoming <laughs> and seeing, oh, this is what Stephen King thought he needed to do with a contained story like this. This is how he felt that he needed it to play out. Okay, Stephen King, you've cemented my resolution to not read your junk anymore. Oh, he's terrible. Did, yeah. did you see it because it had the word game in the title? Yeah. I saw it because I like Mike Flanagan. Like I liked his last uh, two movies a lot. Uh, and and it's, uh, I will say this about Gerald's Game. This is not really a spoiler. Here, here we, here's what I learned from the movie Gerald's Game. Bruce Greenwood is in amazing shape. That's all I'll tell you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> all right. Sorry about that. I just had to get that off of my chest because I watched no. that whole stupid thing. Now I need to read it really quickly. What so. did we just see him in? Didn't we just see him in? He's the president in Kingsman Golden Circle. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. That's enough for that. Remember uh, that thing, uh, Tom, where he was yeah. – uh, they, were, he, he, they were following the river? Oh my God! Bruce Greenwood in the river. Juan yeah. Colette Serra's TV show found footage with Joe Anderson. Yeah, the river. Bruce Greenwood, huh? Well, I only mean, saw one episode. A, a, and I, you told it, me how it ended. It had a Katie Featherstone appearance from Paranormal Activity too. See? Yeah. Right. Sorry. <laughs> why am I, I thinking of? Stay on topic. Why am I thinking of Barry Levinson when you talk about the river? You're thinking of the Bay. That's Barry oh, Levinson. The Bay, another body of water. Okay. It's his found footage horror movie, The Bay. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I saw Dingus, that. I sentence you to watching The Bay. Oh, damn it. It's like The Gray, but shorter. <laughs> and it's like Diner, but n- not about a diner. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is like diner. Yep. It's more, it's it's set, more dames in it. Is diner in Baltimore? Yep. Yeah. Is that like this whole shtick? Yeah. Cause I, is there a bay in Baltimore? Is the bay maybe in Baltimore yeah, as well? Yeah, the Chesapeake Bay. I mean. All right. It's Barry Levinson's deal. Okay. He's really corner of the market. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's do uh, the three by three is our favorite awkward moments in movies. Uh, Dingus, okay. did you have more to say? That was the. That's all we need to know, right? No, all to more to say. Kelly, one, I don't. I don't. I accept that. Uh, that riff. This is an awkward moment. <laughs> In that case, I'm just going to tell you about my third favorite awkward moment. Movies full of awkward moments. It's a great pick. So I'm basically yeah. just giving you guys the awkward moments from some of my favorite movies. Uh, here, I'll give you a line from it. <clears throat> here we go. Uh, you want to let that breathe for a nothing, nothing. <laughs> is that awkward yes it's so awkward because so is, is, this is okay that's fine this is in jaws where hooper yeah. has come to have dinner with brody and his wife after he has come to amity to investigate this shark situation and some yahoo fishermen catch a shark and the mayor wants the whole thing over with so they declare yay we're done and as hooper is on his way out of town he's going to drop by brody's for dinner to drop the bombshell that they still have a shark problem. That that is not the shark that killed the Kentner kid. Um, and at the moment that he says that, Roy Scheider has opened this bottle of wine that Hooper brought, and he's pouring it in a glass. And Hooper has just finished saying, so that's why I'm going back tomorrow to tell them that you still have a shark problem. And he looks up and he sees Brody pouring wine in a big old uh, tall glass and I think he thinks that Brody is pouring the wine for him, for Hooper, uh, because he says, you want to let that breathe? Uh, nothing, nothing. He realizes. Uh, and, and Roy Scheider sort of gives him a look and keeps pouring the glass for himself and then offers Hooper a little bit of wine. Uh, but it's right after Hooper has let slip that is announced that the shark is still out there. And Brody is tipsy, and I think Brody knows at this point that they're going to have to go out to the dock, which is what they do in the next scene, and cut the shark open and see if that is indeed the, the, the one that killed the, the, the swimmers. So I, ju- I just love that sort of, you know, Richard Dreyfus is so good at nattering, uh, and that's just a great little nattering moment. Um, yeah. All right, so there's my third favorite awkward moment in she a brings movie. him food, though, or he eats. No, she doesn't. She does not. He. They have finished he eating, grace. and he. Yeah, exactly. He's like, "Are you going to eat that?" And he basically he does a diner. He does See, a diner yeah. to, to Brody's dinner. Yeah. And he's a rich you, college kid. He's yep. hungry. And, Tom, yes. do you remember my contention of what the other wine moment is that's better in another movie? Oh, I do remember us arguing Dracula. about that. It's seven. It's seven, right? Very good. Seven. Yeah. 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 I love that of, moment. Yeah. I love you talking about that. Explain him in seven real quick. We're talking about wine moments. Maybe people didn't listen. What's the wine moment in seven? Um, Morgan Freeman's character comes over. Somerset comes over to dinner. Uh, and after dinner, they're going over the case file. And Brad Pitt pours a glass of wine in a, like a water glass. <laughs> and there's just a moment where Morgan Freeman picks up the glass and just looks at it like, this is a huge glass of wine. <laughs> but – Having we we actually went back and forth about this and we compared the two and and I have to admit that the Dreyfus moment is funnier. It really is. You want to let that breathe for nothing, nothing. Like he just pulls nothing. back so abruptly. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is just like provides. a text. This is just this is just Morgan Freeman looking at this glass of wine. Like what is who would do this? Because Brad Pitt's I, drinking a, a bottle of beer. I mean he he doesn't know from wine. 
Right, exactly. Pouring wine in a in a in a high ball glass. Yeah. Yep. All right, Kelly Wan, your favorite can't wait to hear these. Your favorite third favorite awkward moment in a movie. My number three favorite awkward moment in a movie is from the motion picture train spotting when the character of Spud has stayed over at his a girl's house for a one night stand and he wakes up and he's found he shit the bed sheets. So he takes the bed sheets and like rolls them up and tries to sneak out of the house. And they're all eating breakfast, the parents and the girl. And he's got the sheets and he's trying to scoot by them. And they're like, hey, man, let's, how, you got, how you doing? I guess they're the cool parents. And they all want to stay for breakfast. So, no, I got to go. Bye, I got to go. And then the mom's like, no, I'll do the laundry here. Give me it. And so they fight over the sheets. And then oh. the sheets come... Uh, uh, undone, and then shit splatters all over the faces of the family. And then they all look at Spud like, oh. But you know what? It was their fault, so I don't feel well, too for For fussing over the sheets? Well, for not smelling the shit and not thinking, not judging his body language that he's obviously carrying shit. Seems like shit in movies you would, like when they eat it in uh, The Help, seems like you would know that it's shit before you eat it or before you take the sheets out. I don't know. Did you Ladies and gentlemen, help? Kelly Wand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, mean, yeah, I don't think there. any of us saw The Help, but we all know the thing in it, right? Don't we? No yeah. one here has seen The Help. No. Yeah, no. I had it described to me. Is that Ron Howard? I don't know. No. See, that's what, it's I like, thought it was the... Uh, August Osage County person, but maybe not. It sounds like a strange applause moment for a girl's movie to me. What, in The Help, where they eat the pie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it seems if they're going to make fun of us for going to see Porky's, but they see The Help, they're just part of the problem. Wait, what? Who's the... Th- what? what are you talking yeah, about? <laughs> Kelly Wand, let's go back to train spotting. <laughs> train spotting. <laughs> train that's spotting. That's a movie that's gender neutral. Uh, is that you and Bremner? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just uh, know train- him as Spud. Now, is that an awkward moment? or is No, it- nothing awkward about that at all. It's completely natural. Everybody should be totally relaxed. I mean, we've all been there, right, Kelly Wand? Yep. Every it's weekend. The same as the Jaws moment, but it's British. You want to let that breathe for uh, nothing, nothing. Did you say just British? Just pretend it's Cooper doing it. Yeah, oh, did you just call? Yeah, because isn't transporting Irish? It's Scottish. You Scottish. Oh my on. gosh, what's the matter with you guys? It's Scottish. <sighs> Irish. Happening. <laughs> Please. Same thing. Braveheart. <laughs> Dingus. We are going to get so many emails about that. Give us your third favorite awkward moment in a movie, and maybe a line from it. Here's a quote from it. It's the first of many, so get used to it, sister. <laughs> oh, poor little uh, – what was that actress's name? Her name's remember. Becca in the movie, but yeah. she gets – so she's in that horrible, horrible uh, Last House on the Left remake. When we did our our discussion of uh, sexual assault in movies, and I talked about just how – how terrible I think that those rape revenge movies are. And that cute little actress from super bad is one of the victims in the terrible left house on the left remake where Garrett Dillahunt's head gets put in a microwave. But I love that, that cute little redheaded actress. She's adorable. I think it's okay. What is her name is 
Darn oh, it. it's Becca in the movie, uh, isn't it? That's what I want to do to Garrett Hedlund. No, you're right. It, it is Becca, but I don't remember. But it, it is the moment where Michael Sarah's character, um, Evan, I think is his name, uh, is uh, like setting up the party, and they're talking in the hall at school between classes, and uh, he's asking her what what can he get for her, and she says that he wants she wants him to get. It's not Goldschlager, but it's whatever the movie calls Goldschlager. He's like, oh, it's that vodka with the little flakes of gold in it. That's really classy. And she's like, yeah, just tell me how much it is, and I'll pay you back. And he says, no, no, it's on me. And she goes, oh, you don't have to do that. And he says, you know, it's the first of many, so get used to it, sister. And he goes to kind of give her this awkward punch in the arm, and this kid moving past him, like, jostles him, and he punches her breast. That, by (laughs) the way – I, I would I would pick that as one of my favorite non-faked physical gestures these days. <laughs> Punching a girl in the breast. Well, just the whole choreography. I mean, that probably took yeah. a lot of like it's like stunt work. The way yeah. they they arranged that whole thing that was good. Obi Wan punches girls in the chest. But the real awkward moment, the real my favorite is is him afterward going I. I, I'm sorry. I'm trying to try. How do you apologize for that in high school? How do you apologize? I mean, I remember accidentally uh, touching a girl's breast as I was going back past her, like in like church. It, it was just a weird sort of awkward, like, "Hey, how's it going?" And I accidentally did that. And like, how do you apologize for that? How do you? What do you do? What do you say? I think, doesn't Michael Sarah is is one of the things he that. says is that guy pushed my arm? Like, yeah, doesn't he, he try does. to explain the mechanics of it? Yes, he, he did. He does try to break it down like that, and she's just like, "Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it." <laughs> and and then even after her friend rescues her from the moment as she's walking away, he's again like, oh, "I'm sorry." You know, it's so. I just love the awkwardness that because Michael Sarah is really good at conveying that level of awkwardness and it's not just the punch right there it's 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 what he does afterward where he's like oh, i'm sorry i'm so sorry i that guy he went by me and she's and she's awkward because she's trying to make him feel better about it it's not a, it's it's a, it's not a bad thing it's okay it just happened but it's this oh man this, that might be the first time he's ever touched a breast uh, other than his mother's you know um so it's just oh, I just love that moment so much. And then Bill Hader shows up. <laughs> Why do you have to remind me? The thing is, Dingus, and I'm sure you're with me. After Skeleton Twins, I'm willing to cut him a break. I, yeah. I think if I were to go back and watch Super Bad right now and just keep keep breathing deeply and repeating to myself, Skeleton Twins, Skeleton Twins, Skeleton Twins, I think I could get through those Bill Hader, Seth Rogen cop parts. I think I could do it. He's your candy man. The set, the the Bill Hader, yes. I don't know about the Seth Rogen stuff. I mean, I like Seth Rogen a lot, but that cop stuff just weighs it down. Oh my god! We're, we shouldn't be stuff. we shouldn't be blocking his cock. We should be helping his cock. The th- the problem too is you can't do a fan edit because the McLovin stuff, which is funny, that's 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 yeah. good stuff. Like that's threaded in there, and that's part of the McLovin plotline resolution. So yeah. it's not like you could do a fan edit with just Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah because McLovin is part of that clutch. So just like sad. Miles Teller's part of War Dogs clutch. Ugh. Did you okay. see? You didn't see War Dogs. You shouldn't. No. You should, yeah, you shouldn't be allowed to reference how bad it is unless you sit through it, Kelly Wand. It looked like Wolf of Wall Street without Leonardo DiCaprio or Scorsese. Kelly Wand. It, like, yeah. it wishes. Yeah. Really? It's, yeah. it's Lord of War without Nick Cage. 
Or Jared Leto. Yeah. Nick, I remember Lord of War. Like, like Ethan Hawke is really good in that. I loved Ethan Hawke. Oh, yeah, he it. is. That's right. He's a yeah. DEA dude. Yeah. Not DEA. Yeah. Drug Enforcement Agency. ATF. I think he's ATF, actually. Alcohol. T- oh, right, right, right. Because they're arms dealers and not drug dealers, right? Yeah. That's a weird group of things. Alcohol, tobacco, and <laughs> It's almost like you want, like, Kelly Wand, like, there are certain segments Drink of the population. <laughs> Yeah. That, that that basically is like it's a party. Like it's not an agency. That's it's yeah. a recreational activity. It's just the party agency. <laughs> All right. Uh Kelly Wand. No, wait, where no, are we? You, Tom. Oh, it's my you. number two favorite. I'll give you a line from it. There was a, a kite what am I saying? There's a cat. The cat it was on the roof and I went oh. after him. Listening. So this whole scene is an awkward moment because it's an assassination of Jesse James where Brad Pitt's character, Jesse James, has come back, and everybody at the table is trying to hide something from him, and he knows it. So oh, the whole scene is super awkward, and I, I would say that the, the, the crescendo of the scene is this beautiful bit where Casey Affleck is shyly reciting uh, – isn't it where he's reciting similarities between him and Brad yeah. Pitt? Or am it I confusing like it with the scene in the room? Yeah. No, no, it's the number of letters in their name. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's such great Casey Affleck, and it's super awkward and shy, and he's so sort of withdrawn, and he kind of builds up a head of steam as he's going through it. Uh, but that's more of a sequence than a moment. That whole scene I love. So if I had to pick one moment, it would be Sam Rockwell fumbling with the word kite and cat. Uh, I, I just he's such love, a bad liar. It's so he's such, Exactly. He's yeah. such a bad liar. He's the American made as a period piece. Yeah, he's just so sincere when Sam Rockwell said things. like He's, he's just the least disingenuous guy. Uh, I, I love when actors can fumble around with a word – because that's hard to fake, right? Yeah. Like it's hard to fake. Like you accidentally said the wrong thing. Uh, here's a here's a little. Does either of you guys know of a show called Super Troopers? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, you mean a movie, not a show? Is it a movie or a TV? It's a movie. Okay. It's a movie. Well, is there, a, lizard, bro. is there a guy named Joey Kern who's a regular part of that? Does that ring any bells? Okay, he may not. I, I just saw it was on his list of credits. I don't know if he's one of the main guys. Uh, Joey Kern is a, a young, good-looking blonde actor guy. Uh, he's got a kind of a James Franco thing going. Uh, and I stumbled across him in a movie, which is actually pretty funny, called A Beginner's Guide to Snuff. And it's about these idiots who are trying to make an independent movie and they decide they're going to fake a snuff movie but they're going to trick the actress into thinking that it's real and that and it's a comedy though it's not a heavy-handed thing and Joey oh. Kern is the guy who is he's the dumb guy who's the mastermind of this of this plan and so a lot of the funny stuff in the movie is this girl has been kidnapped and she's tied up and she's terrified and he's just a dumb guy trying to act scary and it doesn't quite work and there's some great moments where he fumbles saying one thing and tries to change his mind, and he's really good at that. Uh, and he also has a movie called Big Bear, which is a great kind of hangover comedy. So I love this Joey Kern guy, and uh, thinking of Sam Rockwell confusing the words cat and kite made me think of Joey Kern in Beginner's Guide to Snuff, which I recommend. Uh, so at any rate, there's my number two favorite awkward moment in one of my favorite movies. Mm. Let's see. It is now time for you, Kelly Wand, to give us your second favorite awkward moment in a movie. My number two favorite awkward moment in a movie is in the motion picture 
back to Doug Liman. The movie that gave us Doug Liman is in Swingers when John Favreau uh, is calling that girl Brooke Langton he just met, the cute brunette at the, at the bar, and he keeps leaving message after message in her machine going, hey, what's up? Okay, listen, I got – it's like by the fifth message, he's like, yeah, we, this isn't working out. And then she picks up and she goes, never call me again, and then hangs up on her. That's my that is a classic scene, yeah. It's so classic that you see other movies like ripping it off. Like yeah. That. It's good. Although I think I, I, they didn't really I, do it justice. Are it, movies ripping it off or is it just a, a true life thing? It's both. Yeah. We've all been there and we've all gone – we've all wanted to take it back. So to watch someone do it <laughs> – to watch someone spend 20 minutes of screen time doing it. It's, 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 it's like okay. the – yeah. Did either of you jerks, and you're both, you know what? I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna assume arrest powers, and I'm sending both of you to jail if at least one of you hasn't finally seen Edge of Seventeen. Yeah, I saw it. I loved it. Finally, did I know that about you, Kelly Wand? It's awesome. Uh, I thought I told you. Okay, it's Dingus, great. Have, you, have you seen it? I saw Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> it's got the everybody's got some, everybody wants some guy in it. He's so good in it. Yeah, everybody's yeah, so good in it. Super but there's a great moment, like the phone machine moment in Swingers, where she accidentally hits send on a text, which is kind yeah, of a, yeah, a, a yeah. more updated version of that. Uh, yeah, right. we won't spoil it because Dingus. Luckily, you guys are not both going to jail. If Kelly hadn't seen it, Dingus, you guys would both be in jail right now. It's oh. like the more awkward version of the Paul Rudd call in "I Love You, Man. Which I didn't—I assume neither of you picked because it's not. What's, I don't know what's the Paul Rudd call. When he calls Jason Segel to set up the mandate, he's like, "Yeah, yeah um, you know, <laughs> my favorite awkward moment there would be the the coining of the term Jobin." Yeah. Did you wait? What did you say? <laughs> no. What did you What did you call me just then? Did you call me Jobin? <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, all right, Dingus, My favorite you, answering machine is Tippy Toe, Tippy Toe from Seinfeld. Oh, huh, we'll have to talk about that on our TV podcast. Oh, darn it. Lemon tree, lemon uh, tree. That's okay. I forgot what TV show I brought up. Oh, yeah. Wait. I've brought up TV shows. So, Dingus, I'll give you one I more. Up Fortitude like 15 times. Oh, Fortitude is such a good movie that's six hours long. No, 12 hours long. Fortitude is a 12 hour movie that was aired in installments. On a network. That doesn't mean it's not a movie. The title implies a quartet. Fortitude? What? Four. Oh, good lord. See? Dingus speaks dumb. (laughs) That's the only – I'm fluent in dumb. I can can say it, but I can't read it. Okay, you can write it. All right, Dingus, your second favorite awkward moment in a movie. Silver. All right, here's a, here's some dialogue from it. Don't you hate that? Hate what? Uncomfortable silences. Why do we feel it's necessary to yak about bullshit to be comfortable? Huh. I mean, we haven't heard about this movie in a while. <laughs> I'm not being facetious. I mean, it, we should, yeah, it's true. Do you know what, what, what movie is it, Tom? Isn't this Pulp Fiction? It is indeed Pulp Fiction. And I I love that scene so much. Uh, where they're just sitting at the table and having this awkward date that shouldn't be a date. And uh, and that I, I do really like it when Quentin Tarantino makes these moments stretch out. Um, he does a lot of things that drive me crazy of late, but when he does it like this, 
and he makes this uncomfortable moment happen. Uh, and that, that universality of, can we just be silent for a minute or not? Um, See, I, I thought, yeah. I really like that. I thought, thought that what? wasn't an awkward moment because she's pointing it out and they're make they're kind of making fun of it. And so it's kind of a cute moment. Like well, if you go, I that was an awkward moment. It's an I observation think, about awkward moments. Yeah, yeah, it is an observation about that. And plus she's also needing, she escapes the moment in order to, uh, n- not in order to, but she goes to get high so that the moment goes away. She she can't she's handle anyway. she can't handle the silence. I mean, she's a cocaine addict or heroin, whatever she's doing. Um, she can't handle that silence. She can't handle that feeling of of silence there. And it's it's weird for them because there's a weird sort of attraction that's going on, but it shouldn't be um, because of the fact that he's just taking her out because he's looking after her because his employer has asked him to do that. And they can't handle the silence in different ways. And she certainly can't handle it. And so she leaves in order to, and they're waiting for food to come. And there's that awkward time when you're sitting there and you don't have much to talk about. And they try to talk about different things about things in the room, you know, the waiter or which one's Marilyn Monroe and all of these different things that are going on. Um, and it is that we're just filling these moments with small talk. None of this it matters at all. We're not talking about anything that matters. And then her feeling of awkwardness. Uh, I really love that. I, this is one of the first things I thought about when I was talking about this topic. Bing Ring suffers a far more awkward moment later in the movie. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. His awkward moment to me is you feel bad for someone in the moment, but in that, that's a pretty successful date till they get back to her place. Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of with Kelly in that I, I think that it's, it's not an awkward moment. So I think they're super like clicking and getting along together. But thing is, I completely agree though. It's about awkward moments and it's this very laid back observation about how they hate awkward moments. And, and it's, it's a bit of insight, I think, into awkwardness. Um, but I, you know, that's kind of the cool thing about the movie at this point is they are clicking and you're, you're kind of rooting for yeah. them to be together. They belong together. They seem great together. But they're not supposed to be clicking. It's the right, right, exactly. No. But they do like it's, and that's kind of what the dance scene shows. Is that wow, these two people belong together. Uh, right. And yeah, you're right. They're not supposed to, and it's bad news. He doesn't even want it. He can't even. He's not even a good conversationalist, and it's still going well. That's how good the date is. <laughs> well, I love what she's doing in the scene. I love what she's doing with her eyes. What she's what, how she's dealing with the shake, and how they like pass the shake back and forth, and and. I just love what she's doing, how she's conveying that feeling that you just kind of described, Tom. I wish every date I had was that good. <laughs> Last part. How do you guys feel about the animation in that scene? Uh, you mean right before it? Jack Rabbit's yeah, limbs, yeah. The, the square. Yeah. How do you feel about I, that? I always, I always felt uneasy about it because it's – those kinds of things like voiceover, if it happens once, I feel weird about it. Yeah, I'm anti-animation for that. That's that just that's that right there is an indication of where Quentin Tarantino is going to start to go wrong. Is not understanding. Eh, you don't really need that. Why are you doing that? Uh, it takes well, me it, out of the moment. Yeah. yeah, it really does. But 
if you're going to do it, then you have to, I think, make it somewhat consistent. <laughs> um, and again, this is like with voiceover. Uh, you, I, I don't like this. Like at one moment, we're going to have a voiceover, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, so if if you're going to if you're going to do that as sort of part of your sensibility in making this movie, then do it at a couple points. Otherwise, you don't need it. I and think from not, there. Go ahead, Kevin. Well, it's not representative of what's about to happen either. Like, it's representative of this is the same Quentin Tarantino that's going to put a, a Wilhelm screen scream over the Death Proof crash, and who's going wow. to cut out. Vanessa Ferlito's lap dance from that movie. Oh my god. Quentin Tarantino's worst instincts, they began there and they get worse. (laughs) At least he could have just drawn the lap dance and it would have been something. (laughs) It's available, I believe. uh, You can see it. Yeah, I'm sure it's out there on the internet. It's it's worth tracking down. Yeah, I've seen it. But but when I saw it, I go, why'd you cut this? Yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's such, it's such an important part of, I think, Kurt Russell's character, and it uh, – yeah. Just asking. If you're grindhousing, okay, isn't right, this exactly. more grindhouse than a lap dance <laughs> at Death Proof? Like, why are you shying yeah. for the title? Yeah. <sighs> uh, let's see. Where are we? So that was – are we at number ones now? No. You're, you're, yeah, you're number one. Okay. Here's my favorite uh, awkward moment, and it's – because I like the movie so much, uh, I don't know that other people would appreciate this moment as much as I do. Uh, I'll give you guys a line. I'm sure you won't know it. Uh, when my daughter was little, I would do stuff with her. You don't anymore. Uh, and this is – it's the opposite basically of the scene Dingus just talked about in Pulp Fiction. Uh, it's Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio and David Strathern in a movie called Limbo. Limbo is a John Sayles movie, uh, like a lot of John Sayles movies. It's in a very specific community. It's in a small town in Alaska. And the early parts of Limbo are about a bunch of different characters. But in this scene in Limbo, it's where the movie reveals that it's going to be about these two characters, David Strathern and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Uh, it's the opposite of a meet cute. It's like a meet awkward uh, they, she's a singer in a bar. She travels around in different bars and sings. Uh, he's a handyman. Nothing super spectacular about either one of them. There is obviously some interest between them, though. But they are both old enough and sort of burned out enough that uh, that it's not an easy thing for them to get together to hook up. Uh, there's no there's no uh, polished patter between them in this scene. Uh, he is super withdrawn. He's very uncomfortable. She's super cynical. She's burned out on having to deal with, with men, especially uh, men who are assholes. Uh, and these two people are in a, in a bar in this scene talking to each other, and he's kind of trying to ask her out, and she's trying to express that she is interested in him. And she's open to being asked out, uh, and it's just a beautiful two-person scene about subtext. Like if I was ever teaching acting class, I would demand that people watch this scene over mm. and over again because they're both so good in it. Uh, the things that they say and how they say them. And there is specifically one of my favorite acting moments of all time, and that is where Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio is talking about what she does in her free time. And she points out, you know, she, she references at one point that when, when her daughter was little, she would do stuff with her daughter, and she's a single mom. And David Strathern says, We you don't do stuff with your daughter anymore. And this look that 
Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio has at this moment. It's just a look. It's this thing in her eyes. It's 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 a beautiful bit of subtle acting. It's entirely subtext, uh, and it's amazing to me. It slays me every time to see her do this. Um, so she has this look and this response, and she just kind of very quietly says, no, I don't do stuff with her anymore. She doesn't say that. She says no and shakes her head. Uh, so that whole scene is one of my favorite awkward interactions between two people who are obviously attracted to each other but are at difficult points in their lives and don't really know how to express that, and specifically the moment where Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio reveals a little bit about her relationship with her daughter. And, and more to the point, all of this stuff established in this scene has a bearing on how the movie plays out and eventually concludes. Uh, I love Limbo. I, I, I think it's easily my favorite John Sayles movie. Uh, I can see a lot of people being frustrated with it, um, but uh, there you go. It's my favorite uh, awkward scene in a movie. Uh. Let's see. Kelly Wand, if you were asked, what's the best awkward scene in all of moviedom, what would you say? Um, I noticed a lot of these are guy-girl things, but – I guess that makes sense. None of mine were. So, I mean, it's until the last one. Yeah, mine are until the last one too, but it still counts. <laughs> but I was trying to pick from among my favorite ones in Happiness because I thought that's the awkward moment movie. But then the more I thought about it, the more I realized it kind of transcends awkwardness, and you're, you're kind of mortified. And There's so, kind of a cruelty to it. I yeah, think. it's awkward. Is awkward is a zone. It's a Goldilocks zone where you can still recoverable, maybe. <laughs> and happiness isn't like that. Uh, so, a uh, friend of the podcast, Alex Lair, uh, helped me think of one that I thought was more appropriate, which was in Boogie Nights when Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, tries to kiss Marky. <laughs> Wait, did you just choose two things again for one of your picks? He was no, explaining how he was like. Yeah. I guess this is how it led you to Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? Because I was going, happens this, this, this. No, you, right, is that right. one too fortifying too? No, no. Oh, no. You just think, you're just you think I was trying to do? I was trying to whiff uh, two past you. Yeah, I think that's what you're trying to. Do. I was but, just trying to, yeah, because I was. That's your move. That's all right. What? I'm just setting it up. All right, that's fine. That's legal. Okay, my number one's Boogie Nights. Don't see more off than trying to kiss. No, tell, describe it more. That's fine. I was just calling Kelly you Kelly, des- describe the attempted kiss in loving, explicit detail, if you would. Yes, please. Okay, he's trying to do a manly handshake. Um, <laughs> Isn't his name Scotty in Boogie Nights? Yeah, his name's Scotty. It's the first time we've ever seen him before. Because I didn't remember him from Twister then, and he's wearing a tank top, and uh, he's young. It's young Philip Seymour Hoffman, and so he is gay and carrying a huge torch for Mark Wahlberg's character, and he tries to kiss him in the driveway, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to get back inside. Like He's kind (laughs) of polite about it, cordial, and then Philip Seymour Hoffman just breaks down. I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. Oh, and right. We, yeah. He's so yeah. mortified at himself. Right. Right. Yeah. And he just starts sobbing at how bad the moment was. But the <laughs> way he does it, it's like, ask me if you want. Like, while he's doing it, like he's sort of talking under his breath. Oh. He's trying to remember his script. He's trying to keep to. It's great. It's a very awkward moment. Uh, also, my- one of my best non fake physical gestures is Philip Seymour Hoffman with the pencil sticking out of his clipboard. 
He's he's getting very oral yeah. with the pencil in one scene. Uh, is that before or after that part? Probably before. I'm guessing it's part of establishing his character. Because at that point, it's super funny. Like, Scotty's not a sad, pathetic yeah. thing yet. I seem to recall. I might be wrong, though. Right. Because but, he's blind? Is he blind? Uh, Dingus, that uh, 1999 called and wants its joke back. That's what she said. <laughs> Yeah, that's my number one. Uh, all right, Dingus, it's your topic. You obviously had a great number one awkward moment in moviedom in mind. What do you got? It's a classic movie, much like Boogie Nights. I mean, it's right up there. Um, so uh, here's a quote from it. Nobody has ever quoted me back to me before. Oh, God. <sighs> Dingus. What's wrong? Ding- Kelly Wan, Dingus is griefing me. Um, but he's totally griefing me. Is it Gandalf? I'll have what she's having. Uh-huh. Tom oh, knows a no. quote from her. Tom knows a quote from that movie. Well, Have they're both know? dead now, soon, so it's too soon. It's too soon because they both died. Dingus is in poor taste. Me, Q-tip. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Explain to the listeners no. this. Whole- this moment. isn't happening right. Now. It's not awkward too. It's charming. It's adorable. They're they're getting along, Dingus. Unless they are, but nobody else is at the table. I mean, oh, it's, I a double, it's awkward for the other two. Uh, fair, fair enough. Yeah, it's a totally, it's a totally awkward moment because of the. Okay, so this is from When Harry Met Sally, which uh, Tom can recognize quotes from at the drop of a hat. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. Man. Yes, you have redeemed yourself for uh, suggesting two or three movies for your number one. Um, you that, Tom, <laughs> you would have to deal with. <laughs> so I just. I just love. I mean, this is one of the this this vied for Way number more. one with another movie, um, but the other movie's awkward moment is really more of a touching moment, so it doesn't really work. Um, so this is when Harry met Sally, and this is in their double date, and how weird and uh, uh, awful it is when uh, Bruno Kirby and um, Meg Ryan are talking, uh, and they're talking about. They're trying to make small talk during this double date, and the small talk is just not working at all. He's trying to. She's asking him why he became a writer, and he's telling her because of Jimmy Breslin, and he's talking about uh, Jimmy Breslin being a wake-up call for New York. And she's like, "Well, I guess I just don't really like Jimmy Breslin." And Bruno Kirby's character says, "Well, he's the reason I became a writer, but that's not important. Never mind." <laughs> and, and so they they just don't have anything to talk about because they are on completely different tracks and across the table are um carrie fisher and the guy in the movie i forget his name um billy crystal and sally tries to salvage this weird awkward moment because nobody's getting along at the table yet she says oh you guys are both from new jersey well yeah which exit uh haddonfield and they just say two exits and then they just look because there's just no chemistry between anybody at the table so far until Carrie Fisher quotes Bruno Kirby. And Bruno Kirby goes, wow, nobody ever said that. I, you know, Because she says uh, restaurants are to people in the 80s what uh, theater were to, was to people in the 60s. And he goes, I, I, I wrote that. She's like, you're kidding me. I've never quoted anything in my life. And he says, yeah, I also wrote Pastures, the Quiche of the 90s. Um and she goes, oh, my God, you wrote that? And they immediately spark. Uh, and that's where the moment 
becomes unawkward. But until then, it's just this awful date that's happening. Uh, and I know I get criticized for liking when Harry met Sally, um, but it's Here, a Rob Reiner movie I really like. I'm okay with when Harry. I I don't mind the movie so much as I mind Billy Crystal. Yeah, he's a huge player. <sighs> it's just taken for granted because he's so charming. Don't, don't tell me he's charming. Make <sighs> him charming. <sighs> what I don't like about it in retrospect is. His description, because I think he hosted the Oscars that year, but I'm not sure. Um, I don't like the description, his description of waking up the morning when nominations went out and just being so despondent that he hadn't been nominated. Oh, wait, um, the real Billy Crystal, not the character in the movie. No, no, the real Billy Crystal. Oh, I think God, it was for no. Mr. Saturday, but not for this movie, but for Mr. Saturday Night. I think it was Mr. Saturday uh, Night. Yeah. I, uh, when, he, <laughs> when he was not like nominated that? for that, he was so he was just so upset at Hollywood, yeah. and he made jokes about it for the whole Oscars ceremony. And that's when I really started to dislike him. I didn't dislike him in this. I, I actually really, really like uh, When Harry Met Sally a lot. And uh, I apologize for that by the way I say it, but Nevertheless, I, I watch it every couple of years, and I still really like it. All right. Well, Bedingus, maybe you need to catch up with uh, Billy Crystal's latest performance in The Comedian, in which uh, Robert De Niro is really funny. He's a hilarious comedian, Dingus. King of comedy sequel? Basically. You know, like imagine, imagine Robert De Niro gets old and unfunny and pretends he's a stand-up comic and has a lot of cameos with real comics. And, is it, and hooks up with like and he hooks stuff. up with Leslie Mann, which makes no sense. What? Yeah. How? What do you mean how? Launch? What's the meet cute for? How does he get? Oh, her? I think she works at like a homeless shelter, and he's visiting someone there. I forget. It makes no she sense. She has no choice. It, basically, she's railroaded into it because she was cast in the movie. That's why. That's how they hook up. Does he have sex with Anne Hathaway in the intern? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? He does no, no, they have, a sweet, they have a they have a sweet relationship in the intern. I've, I've heard that's a really good movie, actually. Not really good, but that their relationship is cute. All right, if it doesn't have Leslie Mann, I'm not interested. All right? Did you guys know? A true story. I watched about someone, uh, uh, Chris Webb, one of the uh, the guys who very kindly documents certain comments on this podcast with the Kelly Wand Fan Club Twitter account. He directed me to the Jurgens Lotion. Uh, website where uh, Leslie Mann is a spokesperson, and there's a series of Leslie Mann videos or commercials for Jurgens Lotion, uh, and they're like little 15-second Leslie Mann short movies. They're excellent. What's she doing? I watched every single one. She she just bees Leslie Mann. She Jurgens. So were you thinking of hand jobs? Oh, it's man. lady stuff. It's not that kind of Jergens lotion. It's like, uh, like I, I think it's Jergens. Does Jergens make like cold cream stuff? I don't. Saying, I don't understand. Stop saying Jergens, please. Jergens lotion. Wait, maybe it's not Jergens. <laughs> Did I make that up? How does she say it sexually to you? Uh, I, she's saying other funny. I mean, she's the thing is, she's like playing up on this persona of her being a kind of an awkward milf, which which like works Rosie. for me except for the awkward part. Um, she's she's just super adorable. Um, so if you like Leslie Mann like I do, go watch all those Jurgens Lotion shorts. Listen to him, Dingus. Jurgens Lotion shorts. I'd like to get a pair of those filled with it. 
let's see. Runners up. So, Dingus, did we, we're, unfortunately, because I had some last minute travel plans, I've screwed up the timing. We might not have any. So, Dingus, do we have no emails for the, the we, we topic? Have two, right? oh, we, we have do two it. listener subs for the three way through. We had, uh, unfortunately, I would imagine Chris Markinson would have written in. Um, did we or, didn't get anyone to see. Uh, did we get anyone to see American Made? Yeah, he he saw it. I I saw a tweet from him with his. He usually puts up a tweet of like his movie ticket. And he went right, but like, nobody emailed in with American-made comments. But, yeah, but, right. Uh, okay. I, I imagine waiting till tomorrow to do that. But we have two listener subs for the three by three. One is from Alexander Barentine, um, and he says, "I hope I scooped you all on this. I'll give you a quote from the most awkward mo- moment in the in movies." Are we going to fuck? Is that what's happening? Uh, this is Jonah Hill and Jillian Bell engaged in the world's most awkward fist fight in 22 Jump. It's not awkward. It's hilarious. They're both so, – no, that's like – they're so good together in that because they are – It's you know what? It's every bit as much as the, the chemistry with John Travolta and Uma Thurman in the dance scene in Pulp Fiction. No, I won't accept that, Alexander Barentine. That's a great moment. Well, it's been submitted, so you have to accept it. She's uh, aghast. Wait, no, he's he's that's, he's aghast at the suggestion. By the way, she says that, and he yeah. is he is like mortified. That, no, that's not what's happening here. Right. <laughs> so the other uh, listener who sent in for three by three so far, and I assure you, other listeners, when you do send in for tomorrow's show. I will uh, – I'll go ahead and, and take the time to put your – I usually don't do this, but I'll put yours in the thread. I'll just go ahead and type them up for the thread. So anyway, this is Aiden Keys, uh, and he goes, hello, QTs, Rushmore. Um, ha ha, you scooped you, uh, dingus. <laughs> oh, I didn't think about this. Jeez. Uh, well, right, dingus Rushmore. didn't think about something in Rushmore? Alert After the, the premiere of, of Jason Schwartzman's – <laughs> After Jason Schwartzman's play, he goes out to dinner with Bill Murray and Olivia Williams, the teacher he has a crush on. She mm. brings her boyfriend, Luke Wilson, who's wearing operating room scrubs. Oh, are you? <laughs> that was, oh, are they? What is the line? Dingus should uh, know. Dingus will clear this up. Dingus. Uh, Kelly thing, well, I'll just read what Aiden wrote. The scene is made even more awkward by Schwartzman's drunkenness and his joke to Luke Wilson. I like your nurse's uniform guy. These are our scrubs. Oh, are they? <laughs> That's a great joke. It's I awesome. would have laughed if I was him. The awesome I would have gone, moment. you should fuck this kid. He's kind of he's got a good a good What's way great about that moment is Bill Murray going Bill Murray sort of choking on his whiskey that he's drinking. Oh, are they? And Bill Murray's goes <laughs> And she looks at him like and later she says, You come Too soon. Uh, so Aiden Key's next one is The Graduate. After Dustin Hoffman and Catherine Ross flee Ross's wedding, they get into a passing bus and their shared joy fades into a sense of uncertainty and loneliness. I love this scene because as they stop smiling, the two characters seem to feel isolated and separate. The back window pane of the bus is directly between them as they each have a separate backdrop. From the director of Closer. Wait, what? Mike Nichols directed Closer? Didn't he? No. I didn't know that. What? That can't be true. Tom's Mm. got it. Okay, I thought it was true. All right, Aiden Keys, number three, or the next one in his list. He doesn't number them. Bridesmaids. 
Kristen Wiig and Rose Byrne try one of each. <laughs> it's so painful to watch the unit, Maya Rudolph's engagement party. They go back and forth for about five minutes, and it's so difficult to endure in a good way. I imagine the scene was mostly ad-libbed, and that makes it even better. Thanks, guys. That is a good one. I like that. Okay, Tom's right. About what? About it being Mike Nichols. Oh, wow. yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm right. Did you just look it up, or are you just agreeing that you yeah. – Okay, see? He's, he's just agreeing blindly. Do you guys have any uh, runners-up? I'm now thinking of Rose Byrne, because that's the thing, is this topic thing is just so rich, and you could just, yeah. it, it's a rabbit hole, basically, because yeah. now I'm thinking of Rose Byrne barking out the words black cock in, uh, is it Neighbors <gasps> 2, in front of Sam Richardson? Oh, is yeah. That? Yeah, very good. <laughs> very good. She's so yeah. adorable at that. That's wonderful. That's a wonderful one. And I think it's Neighbors 2, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, Kelly, one have you seen Neighbors too? Uh, I don't <laughs> I see. We had to, didn't we? Not. Oh, we did the first one, did we? I don't we think did we, did the, we did the second one. I think I saw the second one of my own accord. Yeah, I maybe we that. did do it. You know, I what? think we did because we. I actually went with my girlfriend to see it, and I don't. I can't imagine us doing that on our own. Because Zac Efron's funny remember it, now. and he's likable. And no one likes him. Oh, yeah, and Chloe Moritz Grace is in it. Yeah, 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 she's got that, yeah. He's also in Baywatch, and no one likes him in that either. It's like, oh, God, here comes Zach Efron. (laughs) Zach Efron is great. I like that guy. That's what I'm saying. It's funny, because he's kind of funny in both of them. And that's one of the jokes, is no one likes him. He's no Dave Franco. This is Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, Any other runners-up, Tom? Oh, gosh. Well, yeah, all of them. Okay, all of them. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Kelly, do you have runners-up? You know, it's what Tom said. It's just everything. Like, every Woody Allen movie has at least one good one, usually. I mean, I think we all uh, cringe at the moment in Fast Times at Ridgemont High with Judge Reinhold and Phoebe Cates. Right. That's ingrained in all of our adolescent minds. What if that happened? Movies are just series of awkward moments. So you really just say... <laughs> um, Name of your favorite scene in a movie. <laughs> I, I have a couple other favorites. Um, I love the uh, moment in Fargo with Mike Panagita. The Asian fellow? Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, where that's they're at the table and he's making a pass at her. And she's like, can you sit over there? <laughs> um, he sits next to her and he's like, oh, yes, of course. I'll sit. I can see you better. Yeah. It's, yeah, I just love the, the way that Francis McDormand plays that and the way he does as well. Um, and I also like, this isn't really an awkward moment, it's just something silly. Uh, it's the moment in Roxanne where she mishears him saying, 10 more seconds and I'm leaving. And then she comes out and says, what did, what did you say? He said, 10 more seconds and I'm leaving. What did you think I said? And she says, earn more sessions by leaving. What does that mean? I don't know. That's why I came out. So it's weird. You go in. You go in. I am no, you out. get off this porch. Get off this porch. Go. Yeah. Um, and the one I really wanted to be awkward but is touching instead is the last scene in Rain Man where uh, where they put their heads together. And I just – I thought there was I thought there was a moment in Rain Man – I haven't seen Rain Man in so long where they try to hug and, and – but I wanted to use it because it's a Tom Cruise moment, and I really love Tom Cruise's performance in Rain Man. Um, but I'm not a big fan of uh, of the fact that Dustin Hoffman won the Academy Award for that because I think it's just a bunch of technical tricks. Is Rain um, Man set in Baltimore? 
Uh, there, there are some scenes in Baltimore, yes. All right, there but the go. Baltimore trilogy really is Diner, Tin Man, and Avalon, and the Bay. Don't forget the Bay. The Bay is the finale of the Baltimore trilogy. Ah, it's the good. white jazz. <laughs> all right, so Tom, what's our next topic? And Wait, how all right, want to runner up. Uh, Kelly oh, Wand, what's okay. your runner up? Yeah, we don't want to miss that. When Vader tells Luke he's his father, that was really awkward. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, normally I was That's I was gonna true. make a joke about aren't you glad that we waited for that? But Kelly Wand, that one was that was funny. That was good. I'm See? always appreciative of anyone saying dismissive things about Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, he lost his hand and now it's not even the thing he's thinking about. Like, wait, what? I got what good news happened? and I got bad news. Yeah. Good news is you lost your hand, <laughs> and you get a metal one. The bad news is we're shot. related. Yeah. It'd be funny if in Jedi, when he gets shot in the hand, it's his other hand. He's like, I think those should be reversed. I mean, the bad news is you lost your hand. The good news is we found your dad. Oh, yeah. see, see, Kelly Wan, leave it to Dingus to clear up Star Wars for me. How come he wouldn't have sensed that? <laughs> Never mind. All right. You guys, this one actually – save your comments about Star Wars because it might figure into next week's 3 by 3 This is a Kelly Wan topic uh, where I would normally – if I prepared better, I would rattle off things about we've done dumb subject A. Dungeon we've done dumb subject B. We've done dumb subject C. What we haven't done <laughs> – so this one is – it is dumb. Uh, I don't – don't tax yourself. You know, There's not going to be a lot of policing because I can't imagine anybody actually has a favorite one of these. So just give me some examples of them that you maybe think are humorous or uh, – I want your favorite heads-up displays in movies. Now, I'm bringing this up, and I'm going to take a few things off the table. We saw Kingsman oh, no. Golden, Golden Circle last weekend, and there's a dumb joke about a robot dog seeing Elton John, and on the heads-up display, it flashes, Elton John detected. I mean, Matthew Vaughn thought that was super funny. Uh, a few weeks ago, when we were talking about our favorite exploding people, I rewatched a terrible Gregory Hines movie called Eve of Destruction, which was a Terminator ripoff, and the HUD that they did in Eve of Destruction was super low-budget. It was literally lines in the corner of the screen and two red dots. It was a terrible HUD. So it got me thinking about some movies try a little harder. Some movies give us good HUDs. Uh, some, movies might, some movies might even have dedicated HUD jokes. Or maybe in some movie you just remember a HUD, a heads-up display. And just to be clear, a heads-up display is when you're looking through uh, glass or some sort of optics uh, and there is a superimposition over what you're seeing. That's the heads-up display. Uh, if you try to choose T.J. Miller from Cloverfield, you will be thrown in jail. Damn it. So then I'm going That's to jail. Right. Will, well, get re okay. The police will be out in force for any references to T.J. Miller and Cloverfield. Um, but otherwise, his character's name is HUD in uh, Cloverfield. Yeah, it's literally. Yeah, get it, Kelly Wand? Uh, He's shooting the yeah. And by the way, found footage movies are fine. Movies about robots or cyborgs are fine. Sniper stuff, all this is fine. Just give me give me three HUDs that you like in movies. If you're listening to this, we would love to have you send those in to three x three at quarter to three dot com. Uh, did we have a weird timing thing this week? Uh, just an hour early. Yeah. Okay. Make sure you get those to us by uh, 10 p.m. Pacific on Sunday, October 8th, and we will read those on the air. What about Cal Bill Paxton and Aliens? 
He's my favorite HUD. Thanks. Thanks what? for burning that. How is he a HUD? He's a character. He's a all of them have a sergeant. Name? What's his character's name? Oh, Hudson. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> and I don't want to hear about that Paul Newman. Isn't there a Paul Newman ah, movie too? Gotcha. Yeah, none of those. I, I don't. Yeah, don't don't try to get clever. It's a dumb subject. Don't try to be clever. <laughs> don't try to be clever, boy. That's yeah, putting bait out there. Uh, we'll also be seeing uh, this one. There, actually, there might be selections from the movie we're seeing next week, which is Ooh. Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which I'm psyched to see for three reasons. Hampton Fancher, Robert Deakins, Denis Villeneuve. Fuck you, Moonlight. Snake <laughs> <laughs> nice teaser. Uh, if you see Blade Runner 2049 and you know you're going to, uh, also send us a, a few comments about what you thought of that. Uh, or if there's anything you'd like us to bring up, send those also in a separate email to 3x3 at quarter to three dot quarter to three dot yeah dot com uh by eight ten p.m october 8th 10 p.m pacific blades 2049 <laughs> <laughs> and we'll read those on the air i am tom chick i have been here with christian murkowski from alaska it's christian murkowski and kelly wand from germany my jurgens lotion shorts are totally full right now leaving home out on the road down before Riding along On this big old jet plane I've been thinking about My Heather Thomas has some awkward moments And zapped I prefer that we be more capable and prepared Than lucky Observation, reflection, faith and determination In this way we may navigate the path As it unfolds before us all right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Guys, what's what's the tractor part of a tractor beam? Why is it called that? Tractors just push things forwards. They don't suck things in. We decided to try some new ideas. Hmm. What?